0: What's up, Longhorn fans? Broadcasting live from the On Texas football YouTube channel. It is episode number 13 of the award-winning Trey and BK. Coming up today, we try to pick winners for this weekend's football games, mostly NFL, but also that national championship game on Monday night. And where are we at in society? About some predictions on 2023 from 1923. And we may also have to make some predictions for a hundred years in the future. To. Before that, some body language hacks to give you total control over someone else, and we start by discussing Longhorn Hoops getting owned by K-State, Texas football and the transfer portal, and A&M hiring a new O.C., Where's that motorcycle parking? I'm Trey Elling, joined as always by my broadcasting partner in crime. He is the show's body language guy. It is Brad Kellner. What's up, BK? Happy New Year. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I can't believe they brought us back here in 2023, but uh, I'm glad they did our first show of the new year. Got plenty to talk about. And yeah, I'm just curious how far the motorcycle ride is from Las Vegas to College Station, because... You know, Bobby Petrino took the UNLV job a couple of weeks ago to be their offensive coordinator. Then all of a sudden he's taking the AM job to work with Jimbo Fisher. So uh, the jokes write themselves sometimes with AM. and yeah, The jokes write themselves sometimes in college football. And uh, oh, man, what a story that is in Aggieland. It'll be fun to talk about that one here in a bit
0: reeks of desperation for sure we will get to that first though you uh, celebrated new year's eve at a wedding we talked about this a few weeks ago the new year's eve wedding is very polarizing it's it's much like uh the beatles versus the rolling stones conversation you're either one or the other you're either a big fan of the new year's eve wedding or you despise the fact that uh, two people were so selfish as to take away your new year's eve plans <laughs> so how'd the uh how'd the evening go for you It was
1: amazing, but I only got to watch a total of five minutes of those college football playoff games, Mm. which sucked. So normally I'd be cool with the New Year's wedding because normally the college football playoff semifinals are played on the first, not on the 31st, right? Uh, Or usually it doesn't fall on a weekend, even if it is the 31st. It's usually not a Saturday, so you don't have to worry about having a wedding or something like that. It was a fun day, beautiful venue. The weather was perfect. It was a great time. But I kid you not when I say I watched five minutes total of those two games. And the only play of the Ohio State-Georgia game that I got to watch was the final kick that missed by 150 yards. I mean, there were (laughs) about 30 of us hunched around a small phone watching that kick at a table at the wedding. So I did go back on Monday, had Monday off of work, and I watched the two games in their entirety. But that part sucked. Everything else was fine, but missing those two, epic. And Trey, most of the college football playoff games we've had have been stinkers. And then, of course, like the first year, we have two amazing semifinals is the one year that I can't watch the game. So that sucked, but uh, everything else was was pretty good.
0: I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, 20 but with that Ohio State kicker and how badly he missed to the left – So he initially lined up and then I guess Georgia called a timeout. As soon as they called a timeout, I know we're talking about body language a little bit later. I read this guy's body language and he immediately took his helmet off and took like a big breath. I'm like, oh my gosh, this moment's too big for this guy. I know he's been pretty good for them all year long. He's about to miss this badly. And then sure enough, he did. And Georgia finds himself in position to go back to back for the national championship with TCU staying in the way. I know that there's a, it's a pretty big line right now in Vegas, I uh, we will we'll talk about this more, but I do expect TCU to keep things a little bit closer because they won their game, despite the fact that their offense was not nearly as crisp as they're capable of. No doubt about that.
1: And college kickers, man, we talk about it all the time. Every college football fan knows that it's dangerous to leave a game in the hands of your kicker. Georgia's kicker missed a couple of field goals during the game. And obviously Ruggles from Ohio state, uh, not even close on that final attempt. So uh hell of a game, hell of a Saturday for college football and hopefully next Monday's national championship game is close to what we got in the two semifinals the past weekend.
0: So Texas Longhorn Hoops, the men's team is two games into conference play now. They are one and one after heading to Norman last weekend for a game against the Sooners that they won by a single point, 70 to 69. They have their conference home opener a couple of days ago against Kansas State, which Kansas State has owned Texas a little bit less over these last few years in football and in basketball, too. Whereas uh, throughout much of the uh, the previous 18 years or so since the turn of the century, it feels like Texas was losing at least once to Kansas State uh, in those two sports, if not both sports in a given year. Oh. Well, Kansas State returned to form in Austin. With a complete shellacking of the Texas Longhorns. And I realize Texas fought and they do deserve credit for never really going away, despite the fact that Kansas State was seemingly shooting 60 to 70% from the field in both halves. But ultimately, an NBA game breaks out that the Wildcats <laughs> win 116 to 103. It didn't even take overtime for both of these teams to get to 100 points, BK. Brother, if you root for any team besides Texas, that was the most entertaining
1: college basketball game you've seen in years, yeah. right? Obviously, if you root for K-State, you got a huge win against a top 10 team on the road. But if you're just a neutral bystander, and the game was on LHN, so a lot of random people didn't get to watch it, Uh, but that was epic, man. Obviously sucks to come up short. And man, when you score 103 points in regulation and still lose by double digits, it looks like a typo looking at the scoreboard from Tuesday night. Uh, Give K-State credit. Give both teams credit. I mean, not not that great defense was being played. Not that good defense was being played by either team on Tuesday night. But still, I mean, the shot making. You don't see that in college basketball in 2022-23. You barely saw that when college basketball was at its peak 20, 30 years ago. I mean, that was epic. And, and Trey, the, the previous Big 12 record for points in a regulation game was 199. Texas was actually a part of that game. They beat Colorado, uh, I think, 104 to 95 back in 02. 219 points scored in this game. I mean, shattered the old Big 12 record. This is, and it's funny because Chris Beard is technically the coach at Texas. This was the most anti-Chris Beard game ever. Right, (laughs) That guy's all about defense, all about physicality. There's no way if that guy was coaching, this game would have gone down the way that it did. Uh, An amazing game to watch, but obviously frustrating as hell. Because K State's K State's good. They were picked to finish tenth in the conference, though, and to lose that game at home, like going into the year, you felt like that was one of the most winnable conference games to get that team in your building, and to not get it done stinks. But uh, you just got to give them a ton of credit, man. I mean they they could not miss, and that was ridiculous and obviously frustrating. And now we'll see how the Longhorns bounce back this weekend.
0: You have uh, obviously watched every single game that the Longhorns have played since Chris Beard was suspended, and we still don't know what his ultimate status will be. I tend to think that he's going to remain out at least through the rest of this season, and after that is TBD. But have you gained a sense that this team is not playing as tight or as well, I guess, on defense? They're not smothering nearly as well on defense as they were uh, prior to that unfortunate incident several weeks ago?
1: Definitely. And I'm pulling up Ken Palm right now. So when Chris Beard left, Texas ranked third in all of college basketball in terms of Ken Palm defensive efficiency. And right now, and this is a little bit skewed because of what happened at the moon on Tuesday night. But right now, Texas ranks 38th
0: Hmm. in
1: the country in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. So That's where we're at right now, man. I mean, that's the identity of Chris Beard teams. But whether it's at Texas or at Texas Tech or at Little Rock, he was defense first all of the time. And you're just not seeing that same defensive intensity. And it's not just the intensity. You're not seeing the same smarts. You're not seeing the same rotation. You're not seeing the same team defense that you saw when Chris Beard was on the sidelines in Austin. So, yeah, absolutely um look I'm not completely pushing the panic button on this season yet like the the win at OU is a good win Oklahoma's a quality team any road win in this conference I don't care if it's by one point or 100 they're hard to get in this league so that was a good win and obviously this was Texas's first loss with Rodney Terry there and K-State also appears to be very good like Jerome Tang should be the front runner for coach of the year right now he's done a tremendous tremendous job so that loss might not be that bad I'm not pushing the panic button just yet because it's one loss but Uh, you know, I said it at the time, Trey. It just feels like the ceiling for this team isn't what it was. Uh, they're still super talented, Uh, they're a top 10 talented roster in all of college basketball. So that's that's gonna get them somewhere. But these kids are also still in college and they need coaching. And Bill Belichick says it all the time good players can't overcome bad coaching. I'm not sure if Rodney Terry's a bad coach, I'm just I'm not sure he's a good coach and not having Chris Beard or just a really good coach in general. I think obviously. Uh, inhibits what this Texas team can do when it's all said and done. So, you know, not pressing the panic button yet. I still think this is a really, really good team, but it's clear that they're not the same, especially on the defensive side of the floor without Chris Beard there.
0: I'm almost reluctant to bring this up because he has been playing really well on the offensive end. I think he has a conference player of the week award to show for that. And uh, it wasn't a record that he set a couple games ago, but he was so good last week that It uh, hearkened to uh, some of the best offensive performance uh, in this program's history. But I'm starting to worry that this offense is devolving a little bit too much and becoming reliant on Marcus uh, Marcus Carr creating shots for himself. I understand that Tyrese Hunter had a great game uh, against Kansas State. Technically, this team's leading scorer. Nice to see Sir Jabari Rice uh, also really start to break out of his shell too. But uh, do you see this team starting to revert to last year's form in terms of becoming overly reliant on Marcus Carr?
1: Perhaps, you know, when you score 103, it's hard to be too critical of anything that happened offensively. I mean, the second half score was 63 to 58. These two teams have played full games with that score in the (laughs) past 20 years. Like, it's amazing. So, yeah, I guess that's fair. But once again, I mean, Texas shot 52%. They made 11 threes. They did so many good things offensively that you can't be too critical on that side of the ball. I uh, would like to see a little bit more Timmy Allen involvement. Christian yeah. Bishop getting hurt, I think, also kind of impacted what Texas did on both ends of the floor. He's one of Texas's better defenders. Uh, obviously, he provides a little bit of punch offensively, too. So him only playing seven minutes, I think, impacted the game plan a little bit for Texas a couple of nights ago. So
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. Want to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: if the offense is performing like it has as of late, I won't complain too much, but if this gets to a point where we saw from shock of smart teams, where it's just hero ball and Marcus Carr is dribbling for 28 seconds and jacking up a bad three at the end of a shot clock, then I think we've got more room for critique. But right now the issue is, yeah, I mean, Texas just, they couldn't keep guys in front of them on Tuesday and a couple that with K state, literally not missing anything. And you're going to have a bad time.
0: Texas hoops at Oklahoma State this weekend in Stillwater. That is an 11 a.m. tip-off on ESPNU. Shifting focus now to Longhorn football. The transfer portal is in full swing for another couple weeks or so. Texas has a couple of guys they're paying attention to at the All-America game down in San Antonio this Saturday. A couple dudes committing Uh, including Jelani McDonald, who uh, Longhorn fans are pretty hopeful about right now, the talented kid out of Waco Conley, the athlete who projects as a linebacker at the next level, and one of the best safeties in the class of 2024, so keep your eyes out on that. As far as the transfer portal goes, BK, things have been somewhat quiet for Texas in that regard since they got the commitment from Gavin Holmes on National Signing Day 1 a few weeks back. Of course, they also have... Uh, commitment from Ryan Sanborn, the punter from Stanford, but it looks like things are beginning to heat up uh, for the Longhorns going both ways. As of uh, today, it being Thursday when we're recording, even though this technically does not come out on Friday, looks like Ovia GoFu I didn't even realize had another year of eligibility, will be seeking another program to utilize said final year of eligibility. Uh, Well, he's had some moments over these last few years. Unfortunately, he never really uh, met the potential that seemed to exist when he transferred into Austin from Notre Dame.
1: Dude, if you played college football during the COVID year, I feel like you never have to graduate. You can just play forever. that's a big part of why TCU is doing what they're doing and why it might be tough to replicate, even though every fan base is like, Oh, why can't we do that? Well, you know, they've got a million super seniors on that team because of the COVID rule. So yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, I felt the same way. I thought Ovia Gofu was done and I see his name pop up in the transfer portal. And I'm like, I I guess he's not. And then you've got 38 year old Stetson Bennett quarterbacking for Georgia. Like, It it is weird. College football is so weird right now. And I feel like for the next couple of years, we're still going to be talking about COVID eligibility and, I I don't know. It's a mess. But yeah, look, Ovia Gofu, uh, high four star kid out of high school, went to Notre Dame. We were hopeful. I mean, it's like I said this about Ben Davis, uh, the Alabama linebacker who transferred in the same year a Gofu did. It's like if they were that good, they wouldn't have transferred. If they were that good, they would have been getting playing time at Notre Dame or Alabama, and they wouldn't feel the need to leave those programs to come to Texas to try to get more playing time. So. Like you always, even though they're highly touted recruits coming in from big programs, like it's hard not to get excited when you get a player from those schools, but you got to sort of temper your expectations a little bit. Like, eh, okay, if this guy was a stud, he'd be playing and he wouldn't be here right now. So you said it perfectly, man. You hit the nail on the head. He had some moments, but he didn't become that impact player that we were all hoping that he was going to be. And look, Texas had a shortage of edge players this year, and now a gofu's gone. And of course, you're losing Coburn and Ojmo on the interior of that defensive line. Like the defensive line was a strength for this team, especially up the middle. Uh, you're losing some pieces there. So yeah, Gofu out. It feels like the Longhorns are going to have to bring in one, if not two, uh, players on the defensive line to sure things up in the portal this offseason.
0: You want to try and remain optimistic when a guy is choosing to come play at your school. But I'm almost to the point. And I realize that there are exceptions on this roster. By the way, Ryan Watts. Turned into this team's best cover corner this year. And he transferred from Ohio State, but he was also playing for the Buckeyes last year, too. Where I'm almost more optimistic about the guys coming from that secondary level who are trying to to, uh, to play on a bigger stage, like Texas or in the Big 12 and ultimately the SEC, versus some of these guys coming in from a Notre Dame or Alabama, where they were just buried on the depth chart. And so they're they're trying to start things back up. And Isaiah Nayor is the best example of that. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him this year, obviously, because of that knee injury suffered in the fall. But he's a guy that uh, myself and plenty of others were more excited about than anybody else who came in in last year's transfer portal.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Look, you want dudes who have already dominated at this level. And I get there's a difference in level between the Mountain West and the Big 12. If you're getting a guy from a smaller school or obviously the FCS level, there's a big step up in competition. There's no doubt about it. But you've at least seen them play well. Uh, in college and sometimes with those bigger school guys you just you don't always see that right they they didn't play well or play at all at their old school so you're relying on uh, what their high school recruiting rank, ranking was and people get those wrong all of the time so it's like you want to see that proven guy if you can possibly get him uh, come to your school and take that step up you see that happen all over college football where small school guys go to bigger programs and end up making an impact so yeah there's a balance to be struck for sure but it, it feels like uh, more often than not, those are the guys who are making the bigger impacts versus the big school guys who are transferring.
0: And of course, I'm going to con- contradict myself now because you and I discussed it a couple weeks ago that we would love to see Texas find a quality safety in the transfer portal with Anthony Hill moving on. And they have an opportunity with a big-time name from Arkansas, a kid who's from the state of Texas originally, Jalen Catalan, former five-star recruit, has been Really good for the Razorbacks and his time there when he's on the field healthy. Unfortunately, injuries have uh, sidetracked him at times. There was a false start with regards to him making an official visit to Austin. I think the last official recruiting weekend before National Signing Day. But it looks like he is actually going to be in Austin this weekend, checking the program out and deciding whether or not Texas should be his next home. Understanding the injury risk, that is a huge get for Texas if they can land him. because you know, maybe he does go down at some point in 2023, but at least you get to start from a very high mark from a guy who is one of the best safeties in the sec. And you give some of those other guys a chance to develop and learn behind somebody who knows how to play the position. Well,
1: no doubt. And Anthony cook is leaving. I think you said Anthony Hill. I don't want to scare any longhorn fans. My
0: Apologies, Anthony cook. Yes.
1: Yeah, but Anthony Cook played pretty well at safety last year for this Texas team. And look, the safety play at times was inconsistent this past year. And and you lose one of your most consistent guys on the back end of your defense. So getting a guy like Jalen Catalan would be huge. And you said it. I mean, two major, major injuries for this guy. Had shoulder surgery in the middle of 2021. Only played six games that year. Came back, tears his ACL in the first game of the 2022 season. So hopefully it can be like a DeMarvion Overshawn. Like Overshone's first couple of years on the 40, he just was hurt all the time. And you're like, well, you know, this dude can ball. We just can't keep him on the field. And finally, Overshone is able to stay healthy. And he's one of the best linebackers in college football. And he might be a day two pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, yeah, Jalen Catalan's a stud. First team All-SEC as a freshman in 2020. That's that's hard to do. Uh, freshman All-American that year as well. He's an absolute stud if he can stay on the field. So I'm with you. It's worth taking a flyer on this kid. Texas is not going to be the only team that's interested, by the way. You've got a million scholarships you can give out in college football today. So it's worth taking a chance on a guy who's that good. And there are plenty of programs across the country saying that exact same thing right now. But yeah, if you can bring in uh, a Jalen Catalan and he can stay healthy, hell, even for half the season. Of course, you want him for all 12, but he can play half a season for you. Uh, it feels like he'd be an upgrade versus what Texas has on the roster right now. So, uh, yeah, I'd love I'd love for that to happen and glad this visit is actually going to happen too.
0: Jalen Catalan leaving Arkansas. Bobby Petrino left Arkansas several years ago amid some serious controversy, faked a motorcycle accident when the reality was is that he got caught. Uh, having an affair with a staffer by said staffer's boyfriend who beat the ever-loving crap out of him. Bobby Petrino has bounced around a little bit since then. He's uh, He's been a coordinator. He's been a head coach. And now he is a coordinator once again, as you mentioned at the start of this broadcast. Took the OC job at UNLV just a couple weeks ago. Well, he's already resigned from that to join Jimbo Fisher in College Station to take over play calling duties for the Aggies. I don't know, BK. What the hell is Jimbo Fisher doing here? Uh, as I said uh, as I said at the start, this reeks of desperation. I don't know if this is going to be the answer that Jimbo needs to find to get that program back on track. Well,
1: there were rumors about Petrino going to a back in December, and then he took the OC job at UNLV, so we all kind of thought, all right, that's that. And A&M's got to go somewhere else to find their offensive coordinator, but apparently that wasn't that. And i got to ask this. What's wrong with UNLV? And hey, Chris Beard did the same thing. He took the head coaching job there for like two weeks, then took the tech job in the same off season. Now Petrino doing this with uh, the offensive coordinator gig. <laughs> Shoot, man! Like I get tech and a And M are better jobs than UNLV, but I don't know if I'm rushing to leave Vegas to go live in Lubbock or College Station. Come on, <laughs> man! It's probably why I'm not a coach and why I'm a degenerate gambler in, in, instead. But you know, this it, it, is so funny to me because. All of the talk from AM fans, from, from Texas fans, from just college football people. Like, Texas A&M needs to modernize its offense because Jimbo's had gotten old and stale. So what does Jimbo Fisher do? He hires a guy who's even older than him to modernize his offense. Petrino's 61, Jimbo's 57. Like, a lot of Aggie fans. There are some who are, like, okay with this, but it feels like the majority of Aggie fans, some of my friends that I've talked to and some people that I've seen on social media over the last couple of days, uh, they're not happy about this at all. So, yeah, when you talk about modernizing an offense, you don't think Bobby Petrino, who at one point, like Jimbo, was one of the best offensive minds in the sport, all right? He's got some skins on the wall. I'm not going to deny that, but it's 2023, Trey, bringing in a 61-year-old to try to bring your offense into the 21st century. It it feels like A&M could have done a whole hell of a lot better than this. And as a Texas fan, uh, I'm pretty happy that it's Bobby Petrino and not Cliff Kingsbury, who I think is going to get fired by Arizona. Uh, not Joe Brady, who spearheaded that LSU amazing offense in 2019. Like there were some attractive candidates out there that, with Anim's money and resources, I figured for sure they'd be able to land if they really wanted to. And to settle for Bobby freaking Petrino, who seemingly nobody else wanted besides UNLV, uh, that feels like a swing and a miss for for the folks in Aggieland.
0: I've looked through a couple different articles talking about Petrino getting hired by Jimbo and. Every single one of these articles, I'm assuming beyond these couple, they make mention of the fact that he was Lamar Jackson's head coach in OC the year Lamar Jackson won the Heisman. How much credit are we giving Bobby Petrino for Lamar Jackson, though? Let's be real here. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair to bring up. And and in Petrino's defense, like, this is the most talented roster he's ever going to get to work with. Yeah. Okay? Like, Connor Wegman's not Lamar Jackson. I don't think he ever will be, but he showed me some things down the stretch. He's a five-star kid. He could be really good, but just – there's a lot of talent on that am roster and obviously they didn't live up to the hype going five and seven this year but like overall am's got more talent than obviously Missouri State where he's been the last few years but even some of those Arkansas teams and those Louisville teams like there's an opportunity here for patrino if he still has some juice to uh to make things work but that's fair to bring up I mean shoot Jimbo with James Winston right like that's Jimbo's most successful season obviously won a national title with Jimbo at FSU uh like uh, Jimbo or Jameis is one of the best college football players ever. And Lamar Jackson obviously won a Heisman a tremendously successful college football player, like coaching matters. There's no doubt about that, but like so those guys just might've had some extra juice that you know, it almost didn't matter too much who their coach was going to be. They were going to find a way to be successful. So I, I don't know if it's fair to bring up Lamar Jackson. Number one, cause Lamar is a different animal and number two, that's 10 years ago. It was a long ass time ago when that happened.
0: Yeah. I know exactly why Jameis worked with Jimbo Fisher, because Jameis has the ability to tune anybody out, including the, a guy who is your head coach and offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach who's literally two inches from your nose screaming in your face. Jameis was off in la-la land when that was happening.
1: Yeah, and both guys are good at stealing, right? Jameis with the crab legs and Jimbo with the money. And he stole <laughs> at Florida State and now is seemingly stealing at College Station. You know, it's fun, like, and, fans, and there's a part of me that thinks, like, this is true. Dude, all of that money in Jimbo's contract is guaranteed. That son of a gun could get fired tomorrow and he gets all of it. Mm -hmm. Like, is he that hell bent on turning things around and being awesome? Or does he just want to get a bunch of money and not work anymore? You know, because that's what he did at Florida State. He just, he just up and left. He kind of took his foot off the gas and then up and left for another job. Jimbo could do that again, or he could just up and leave for retirement and he'll have a cool 95 million. He's not leaving right now, but like, I don't think he's going to retire either. I just, it almost feels like this is a move that eh, I don't care if I get fired. You know, and he left I'm, I'm get my Florida, money either way.
0: Yeah. And he left that Florida state program in complete disrepair too. I remember reading stories that year about how the coaching staff, they weren't even contacting kids who were recruits in that year's recruiting class anymore. Like they, they had completely kicked their feet up on the desk and just didn't give a damn anymore. <laughs> and if AM isn't careful, he could do that in college station too, because how many kids just transferred out of that program? with yep. him only bringing in a couple in return. And I know yeah. that you have unlimited scholarships, so he really can try and purge the transfer portal, I guess, if they don't do so in the next couple of weeks once that spring window opens up. But eventually you could be working with a, a serious dearth of numbers there because nobody wants to play for Jimbo anymore.
1: Right, man. Yeah, FSU finally got out of their rut. Like This is the best yeah. season they've had since Jimbo left, but they had a couple of coaches since then, and it took them a while to figure it out. Uh, one more thing for me on this. How about the A&M coaching staff? Okay. You've got Jimbo Fisher, who you just talked about it, not the most liked person in college football by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and he's got some uh, scandalous feels a little bit too strong, but what he did at Florida state wasn't regarded highly by a lot of folks in the business. Bobby Petrino, the offensive coordinator, who, as you referenced, lost his job at Arkansas because of a motorcycle accident with an assistant on board who he was having an affair with. And then he lied about. And of course, the whole Falcon situation, too. He quit that job after 13 games uh, after telling his players that he was in it for the long haul. Uh, the defensive coordinator in Aguiland is DJ Durkin, who, you know, a player died on his watch when he was the head coach at Maryland. And then their offensive line coach, Steve Adazio, was fired from Colorado State after reportedly making racially insensitive comments to a janitor. So uh, yeah, not, you know, the core values, not really there in Aguiland right now. Uh, they're trying to win. They're not really giving a crap about any of their coaches' past histories to, uh, to find a way to get some Ws on the, uh, on the standings, on the record sheet.
0: Well, I'm about to throw a wrench in our plans for the rest of today's show, BK. We will still pick games uh, at the end of today's broadcast because we do have a season-long bet to uh, continue letting play out. But just got an email from the University of Texas, and I know we talked about Chris Beard's status a few minutes ago. Again, we were recording this right now uh, in the one o'clock hour on Thursday, January 5th statement from university of Texas, vice president and athletics director, Chris Del Conte, the university of Texas has parted ways with Chris Beard. Wow. This has been a difficult decision that we've been diligently working through today. I informed Mr. Beard of our decision to terminate him effective immediately. We thank coach Rodney Terry for his exemplary leadership, both on and off the court at a time when our team needed it the most We are grateful he will remain the acting head coach for the remainder of the season. We are proud of our student athletes, coaches, and staff who throughout this difficult time have continued to make us proud to be Longhorns. Wow. There you go. The decision is official now.
1: He's been fired for cause, too, uh, according to Kirk Bowles of the Austin American Statesman. So Texas won't have to pay him that buyout money. Uh honestly I, I I didn't think this was going to happen. It, it's the right move. Uh, I, I don't know if Texas had much of a choice here. You're talking about a guy who's a leader of 18 to 22 year olds and if he's got that on his ledger, uh, you know, felony arrest warrant out there. and I'm sure Texas investigated and did its digging to see whether or not the allegations were true or to see if there was some credence there. and they probably found out that it was legit. and oh, by the way, Chris Beard like never denied that it happened. And even in his fiance's statement that came out maybe two weeks ago at this point, she never denied that it happened. Uh, you know, she kind of rephrased some of the words that she, or she originally had, but uh, no one denied that some sort of domestic violence took place uh, at the Beard household a couple of weeks ago. So um, I, I was with you. You said it earlier in this show. I, I thought Texas was going to evaluate things at the end of this season. I figured it would be um, Roddy Terry the rest of the way, and then Texas would ultimately make their final call once the tournament came to an end, but uh, I guess they had figured it out and they felt like it was better for the program, both this year and beyond this year on the court. And in terms of recruiting to move on from this guy. So uh, man, what, what a shame, dude, what a freaking shame. Um, shame that it happened. And it just, it felt like you got this hire, right? The, to me, this was the best hire Texas had made in one of the big three sports in a long time, in a long time. I mean, since the big three of Mac and Barnes and Augie, this is the best hire I thought Texas had made in any of those three sports since those guys all left. And he's gone uh, not even a year and a half in to his tenure. So, uh, man, wild. And it sucks. It sucks that this happened. And sucks for Beard, too. Honestly, this was his dream job. He worked a long time to get here, and he screwed it up in one night. So don't feel bad for him if he actually did what he's alleged of doing. But uh, it's, it's a crappy situation, and this was – Probably the way that it had it had to end, Trey.
0: Yeah, I agree, BK. Even though the fiance did come out and say he never strangled me, which may ultimately lead to the charges either being dropped or being reduced, I don't think Texas was ever able to get past uh, some of the other details that showed up on the police affidavit from the police account of things, of showing up on the scene and seeing a bite mark on her arm and seeing abrasions on her face and um uh on and on her leg as well. Like it's one thing to be defending yourself. It's another thing to bite somebody on on the arm. Like that's and I know this is complete speculation here. That's probably yeah. going a little bit beyond the idea of defending yourself. And ultimately those were details that uh that those who make the decisions at Texas just couldn't continue to ignore. So yeah, they, they didn't
1: have a choice. Uh, yeah. They really didn't have a choice. Like, you know, they would have loved to have kept Chris beard because they felt great about the hire when it happened. It was a huge coup getting him from Texas tech. And obviously the program, you know, won its first tournament game and what eight years, a season to go top 10 ranking. They made it all the way up to number two this season. Recruiting has gone incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, it's interesting because you saw a couple of Texas commits, earlier this week tweet out their loyalty to the program. I wonder if they knew about this before anyone else did. Right? I wonder if that was an indication like, hey, Beard's going to be gone. Uh, you know, are you, are you still with us? Are you still in support of the program? And look, they, we've got a while till signing day, so those kids could leave and they would have every right to cuz the coach that they committed to is gone. But I wonder if that was maybe some tea leaves, maybe some writing on the wall that something was coming in regards to uh to Texas making this decision. So, now, hold on. Hold on. Okay, this candle, the Jesus Chris Beard candle that I got from one of my best friends who lives in Austin, who's a Texas Tech grad. He gave it to me the night Beard took the job. One of the best days of my life, and now a day that sucks. It's not fun anymore. But I was with like five diehard Tech fans and Tech grad at, uh, grads at Haymaker in Austin. Great spot. I'll give him some free pub. And um, he, he brought this candle. And like th- those guys were just drinking their sorrows away and like in tears that beard had taken the Texas job. And he's like, do well with this thing. And now I, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to smash this. I, I, It's, it's worthless to me. So the St. Beard candle that I was hoping to have for many years that I lit during Texas's tournament games last year that I was hoping to light uh, during a final four run this year, and maybe in years beyond this one. Now it's, now it's gone. It's, it's worthless, man.
0: We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and it was a hypothetical that we hoped never played out or at least didn't play out at the end of this season. But I thought that you put together a really good list of potential replacements for Chris Beard because I've seen people squeezing online on the On Texas or on the Inside Texas message boards, of course, that there aren't a ton of quality candidates out there right now. And I already disagreed with that, but I disagree with that even more after – you listing off who you think are maybe the top five guys to ultimately take this job. So would you mind going over some of those names once again?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just found this list. And like you said, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, almost hoping we wouldn't get here, but it was reasonable to have that conversation then. And obviously it is now. I don't know if any of these names are feasible at all, but I know Texas has more money than the Vatican. I know Texas has the nicest arena in the country. They've got a brand new practice facility. Uh, They've got money to throw around. They're not paying Chris Beard's buyout. So they've got plenty of money that they can spend on their next head coach. But sort of the list I had put together, the first call I'm making is to Jay Wright who is retired now and maybe he's
0: done with basketball forever, or maybe he's waiting for an NBA. Job. I, I don't know. We've but seen that rumors guy, in the last six months that he's, he's considering if there's a, a good job to take out there. Yeah. I mean, he's a two-time national champion. He's a hall of famer. He's, he's
1: an upgrade over Chris Beard, who I thought the world of. I think Chris Beard was a top 10 coach in college basketball. Uh, Jay Wright's a top five, maybe even higher than that coach in the country. So, I'm making that dude say no. I'm making him an offer he can't refuse. That's the first call I'm making. And then you talk about guys who are at other schools right now. Uh, Eric Musselman at Arkansas. Oh, man, we just took a rivals coach a couple years ago. Why not take another rivals coach this year (laughs) in Mus? Uh, He beat Texas in the tournament with Nevada a couple of years ago, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. He's done a tremendous job. Arkansas, what, number two recruiting class in the country behind Duke this past year. And that's a top 10 team right now who made a deep run last year in the tournament. Uh, Nate Oates at Alabama, top 10 team right now. Another guy who's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Uh, I think Texas is willing to invest a little more in basketball than Alabama is. I don't know if Nate Oates would be willing to leave, but uh, he's another name I would look at. And then maybe the further long shots, if those guys weren't long enough shots already, so people are probably shaking their heads at those three, saying there's no chance. But look at a guy like Kelvin Sampson. At Houston, I know he has some baggage from way back in the day, but shoot, I mean, look at the job that guy has done. You talk about tournament success, too. He's had a bunch of that at UH, and I think the Cougs are about to be the number one team in the country again since Purdue lost earlier this week. Uh, Tony Bennett at Virginia, not the most appealing brand of basketball, but he's won a national championship in his past and similar to Chris Beard. Uh, And then you look at Mark Few. I know people dunk on Gonzaga all the time because they haven't won the biggest of games, but come on, you're an idiot if you don't think that guy can coach. What he's done with that program has been tremendous. You give him the resources and talent that Texas has, uh, I think he could find a way to win that final game and, uh, and get that national championship. So those guys all might be unrealistic, but hey, maybe this is Texas fan hubris that I've been accused and all of us have been accused of having at times over the years. I'm calling all of those dudes, before I reach out to anybody else. I'm making all of those guys say no, and I'm giving all of those guys pay raises at their respective schools if they ultimately decide to stay there. That's what this thing needs to be. You got to swing for the fences because this program should be one of the best in all of college hoops.
0: Is the way you just listed each of those guys the order that you would have them in in terms of how much you want each?
1: You know, I'd, I'd go Jay Wright number one for sure. You too. Um, I'd, I'd probably go Mark Few number two. Okay, uh,
0: People might be critical of that. Um, here's the thing about Mark few. No, he hasn't won at all just yet, but he, he has for a long time gotten Gonzaga to, uh, close to blue blood status in college basketball, not being able to recruit, uh, blue star, uh, uh, blue chip talent rather. And now he is starting to recruit a whole lot more of those four and five star guys. So it feels like only a matter of time before he gets over that hump. You know, by the way, they've been to two national title games. You know how many national
1: title games Texas has been to Trey? Zero. Zero. So, you know, you want to win the whole effing thing, obviously, Major League, but uh, that'd be an upgrade. Kelvin Sampson would be right there, too. I mean, those guys would be my top three. Um, Then everyone else would be after that. But make them say no. Make them say no. Once again, you've got the nicest arena in all of college basketball. Unbelievably nice practice facility. uh, Already talent on the roster. Some talent coming in. Texas is better at basketball than it's ever been right now so many things working in favor of this program, which is why you felt like, hey, Chris Beard was the right guy and this thing was going to work incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, it's still as appealing of a job as it was two years ago. And two years ago, when it wasn't as appealing, when you were still playing at the Irwin Center uh, and you know you were coming off of eight years of not winning a tournament game, uh, you still were able to lure one of the best coaches in the country away from a rival to come to your place. So swing for the fences, man. Go for gold. I don't know if it's feasible. I don't know if it's realistic, but... You, uh, you sure as hell should try because you've got things to offer that other schools don't.
0: Anything else you wanted to add before we move on to our picks for the weekends? Uh,
1: I might take off of work today. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I was devastated the day the, the news came out when Chris Beard got arrested. Like I, I said it on this show when we did it a couple of days after. It's like it felt like a tournament loss.
0: Yeah. It,
1: it's like a pain college basketball fans aren't supposed to experience until march and every fan base except for one has it right it's it's that type of season ending gut punch slash groin kick that should be reserved for the nc2a tournament and we've kind of had two in the last month as texas fans because of the freaking coach god that's that's all i got that's pc and i won't get us kicked off of the show forever I think that's a uh,
0: good point to pivot from now to our weekly picks in the NFL and college football. Only one college game to pick. That's the national championship game on Monday. We'll do that last five NFL games to go before that. Most, if not all of these do have playoff implications and kudos to you. You picked up a game last weekend. You were down four. You are now down three. You had a good week. I did not have – I had a middling week, and then we actually had the same pick in the uh, Cincinnati-Buffalo game. So you've reverted back to just picking who you think is going to cover, correct? Yes. A couple times now.
1: If that worked last week, then I'm rolling with it again this week.
0: Because your cousin has had a pretty good season gambling, right? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, real quick –
1: on the beard thing, uh, his lawyer came out and released a statement basically saying he should not have been fired for cause. So th- this is going to get messy here. There's going to be lawsuits against UT for them trying to not pay this buyout. So I wanted to get that out there before uh, people commented below saying that we we didn't touch on that at least a little bit. And like you said earlier, we're recording on Thursday. Stuff's going to drop that we're probably going to miss. So we're, we're doing the best we can here kind of in real time.
0: Look, good luck going up against the juggernaut that is the legal team for the <laughs> university. Of Texas. Well, said. I understand that you are doing everything you can to fight for your client right now, but you, I don't know. This is probably only going to get uglier before it gets any better for either side. All right. Starting mm-hmm. in the NFL now, uh, this is a Saturday game. I believe the Tennessee Titans, Now helmed by Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. Malik Henry clearly not ready to go. Ryan Tannehill out for the year now with an injury. And Tennessee is in a situation where they win and they're in. And I'm not recalling this. If Jacksonville wins, are they in, BK?
1: Yeah, the winner of this game wins the AFC South, and they're the four seed.
0: All right, Jags are six-point favorites at home against the Titans. Because I am the lead, I go first on all of these games. Give me Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has been a good quarterback in the second half of the season. Travis Etienne is finally returning to Clemson form. Obviously, that injury he suffered last year really slowed him up. He is a stud. That receiving core is good, and that defense is filled with playmakers. I think Jacksonville wins this one by well more than one score.
1: Yeah, look, Mike Vrabel as an underdog is, is really good, but this ain't his normal titans team Uh, i'm with you on this one jacksonville has been one of the hottest teams in the league tennessee has been the coldest team in the league Uh, these teams trending in opposite directions games in jacksonville uh give me the Jags to uh to find a way to get it done and, and cover the
0: six and these next two games we assume that they're being played right now even though it hasn't been said officially one way or the other starting with new england at buffalo The Pats in a position to win and making it into the the playoffs, whereas Buffalo, assuming that this game is played, they are playing for the one seed right now, and my feeling is is that if this game is played, and it's a a seven-point advantage for the Bills, according to Vegas right now, if Buffalo plays this game, you know who exactly they're playing it for, and they are going to put up their best effort against a pats team that's been very up and down all year i realize that they are salty defensively they seem to score at least one special team's a defensive touchdown each and every week but the offense is all over the place because the coordinator position is such a mess and i think buffalo does end up winning this one by 14 plus plus. 14 plus wow double
1: the spread right there all right i'm pulling up these team spread numbers okay okay um, I'm with you, man. I hate betting against Bill Belichick and God, it's, it's, I can't remember if it's winning. You're in, obviously the Pats need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. I think they need some other help right from around the league to make it happen. Uh, but I, I, I can't bet against Buffalo with the Damar Hamlin story on top of it. Uh, they're playing for the one seed. Give me the bills at, at home to cover. I'm with you.
0: By the way, that Jacksonville spread is now six and a half. If that changes things for you one way or the other, I'm still taking the Jags. I'm with you. Same thing. All right, uh, Baltimore at Cincinnati, the Bengals, uh, obviously in another emotional situation. They are seven-point favorites over a Baltimore team that is already in the playoffs right now. And I think that, again, if this game is played, Uh, Because of the uncertainty at quarterback for the Ravens right now, I think Cincinnati does put forth that emotional effort to win this one by more than seven.
1: Yeah. I hate agreeing with you, but uh, I feel the same way. Like if Lamar Jackson was playing, I don't think the line would be seven, but yeah, I think Baltimore would have a chance here, but haven't seen enough from Tyler Huntley. Cincinnati has been playing some damn good ball as of late. Uh, They still have an outside shot at the one seed. Maybe depends on what the NFL decides what's going to happen with bills. Bengals. Um, but
0: yeah, I'm, I'm laying the seven. I'm taking another favorite. Your Dallas Cowboys, BK, they face a divisional foe in the Washington commies. And this is a, an unfortunate scheduling issue for them because if they were playing this game at the same time as the Philadelphia Eagles who are playing the New York giants in the 325 slot, they're playing in a noon kickoff. They might have the luxury of sitting their starters at some point, but because they are still technically in the hunts. For the NFC East crown, they have to play this game to win. Therefore, their guys may not get that week off. Now, the New York Giants have nothing to play for at 325. So you're going to see a lot of backups in that game. And Philly should win it pretty handily and, and secure that NFC East crown. But Dallas, at least for the time being, they do have to put their starters in. I actually think they end up pulling them at some point, though, if they do end up playing a quarter or two. And as a result, Washington led by Sam Howell, the rookie out of North Carolina, does keep it within a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we can't have all of the same picks. I, I don't want the Cowboys to play anybody beyond a series or two because there's no way, even if it's Gardner Minshew again for Philly, there's no way the Eagles are losing that game. And hell, I'd rather the Cowboys get the wild card, Trey. I, I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers. We'll get to that pick in a second. I'm telling you who I'm picking right now. I'm taking the Packers, minus four and a half against Detroit. I'd rather play Tampa on the road. I know the Cowboys have never beaten Tom Brady. I'd rather play Tampa on the road than play Green Bay as hot as they are at home in the playoffs. So I hope the Cowboys played nobody, but for the sake of us not having the exact same freaking picks, I'll take Dallas minus seven.
0: Mm. Yeah. I Do that one to you. Well, you know what? I'll pay you back here because Detroit and Green Bay is a Sunday night game. Gosh, what a game this is at Lambeau. Lions actually have a chance to make the playoffs. Green Bay does too. After they were left for dead just a few weeks ago. Packers are four and a half point favorites, but guess what? Wrong team favored. Get out! The Lions win this game in Lambo and make their first playoff appearance in an eternity. Oh my God! Thanks for the game, right there, brother. <laughs> Betting against you know Aaron Rodgers, you gave me the uh, you gave me the Bengals and Bucks <laughs> game a few weeks ago, so this is payback.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that one. Yeah, Rodgers is not losing this game. No chance. And look, maybe the Lions could cover the four and a half. Obviously, Green Bay would still win and get into the playoffs, but I, I don't think it's it's gonna be that close when it's all said and done.
0: Finally, we have the national championship game on Monday night. The TCU Horn Frogs and the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia 12 and a half point favorites. Last time I checked. I think TCU gets this offense back on track. I'm not sure if Kendra Miller is gonna play or not. Even if he doesn't, though, uh, the guy that they have backing Kendra Miller up. He is a stud. He is a bowling ball, and they have good guys on the outside. Obviously, Quentin Johnston has gotten a ton of praise since that semifinal game. And Georgia, as has been talked about by many, including you last week, they're not great in the secondary. And I think TCU does a good job of exploiting that. Even if they don't win this game, they keep it within 12 and a half. But I'll be honest, I'm rooting for TCU to win a national championship. I don't feel the animosity towards them that I do – let's say, in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, somebody like that. I don't want to see my TCU friends get to celebrate a national championship, BK, I
1: don't. I mean, I'm rooting for a strike. I I don't want anybody besides Texas or Kansas to ever win a national title in football. You know, one of those is never going to happen. So um, I've I've lost a lot of money. My cousin's lost a lot of money betting against TCU this year. Doing it again. Oh, the magic runs out. De Mercado is a good second running back, but I, I don't know if Kendra Miller is going to play. If he does, he won't be 100%. Georgia just has way too much talent. And I get Michigan have talent, but Georgia's roster is way better than Michigan's is. Um, I don't think Georgia's that good. Ohio State was the better team. I, can, I still can't believe that they lost that game last week. Uh, but give me Georgia. I think it's close for a while, I don't think this is a beatdown from the jump. I just think in the fourth quarter, Georgia's able to pull away. And uh and and ultimately cover that twelve and a half point number.
0: TCU's luck still has not run out. I mean, the offense wasn't very good against Michigan, but the defense, which has been a sieve at times this year, they play like gangbusters and they're yeah. tackles for having all over the place, two pick sixes. So they did a great job of picking up the slack that was uh, really left there by an offense that really struggled at times, especially throwing the football.
1: You're probably making the right pick. you like TCU fans are shaking their head. Oh, they've got more time. TCU has gone up against five, six teams this year that have had more talent than them. And they found a way to win every single time, except for a K state. And you could argue TCU has more talent than K state. And the one time they lost this year, but Texas more talent, Oklahoma, more talent, obviously Michigan, more talent as well. Oklahoma state, probably more talent. And they just, they find ways they find ways. So it feels like the smart bet is to put your money on TCU. Cause they, they have just been incredibly competitive this year and they've got seniors freaking everywhere, but uh, just George has been in this spot. They've been here before and I just, I, I think their talent
0: and their 34, 35 year old quarterback is is going to find a way to get it done. BK. Thank you. As always. Good luck drowning your, uh, Longhorn basketball sorrows this weekend.
1: Yeah. It'll be a fun radio show down here today. Cause I'll be pissed drunk <laughs> by the time it starts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's in literally like an hour or two, man. That's a lot of shots in a short period of time. Uh-huh. Thanks to you for checking us out. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, do click that thumbs up button. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Great Longhorn-related content all week long. For Brad Kellner, I am Trey Elling. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. In the meantime, hook them.